Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, <laughs> when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests, classic radio shows, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio detective adventure of the amazing Mr. Malone. But it's time now to play Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, either one or both of our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants must correctly answer more multiple choice trivia questions about Martin Scorsese than me. I almost choked on my own words there, Lisa. Lisa Wolf is our moderator. Please welcome our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants. Yes, indeed. We have a Bill on the line from Rockford. Hey, Bill. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Carl. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Bill? Okay. Good. And we have Mike from Washington, D.C. Hey, Mike. Hey, Lisa. We're glad you guys are both with us, and uh, we're going to see how we do. Guys, please do me a favor and beat that host over here, yeah. okay? Please don't. Okay. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Bill, we're going to start with you. Which of these movies directed by Martin Scorsese was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, winning five of them? Is it Raging Bull, The Aviator, Goodfellas, or The Departed? Goodfellas. Oh, no, that's not it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike, do you know? Raging Bull. No, that's not it either. Oh, my goodness. What's left? So it's The Aviator or The Departed. Wow. Mm. Aviator. That is correct. He's got ah, it. All right, so. we're okay. Mike, what character did Martin Scorsese play in his 1976 movie Taxi Driver? Was he a waiter, a police officer, a salesman, or a passenger in the taxi? A passenger in the taxi. Yes, you've got it. <laughs> Carl's I knew that on one, finger. that's why. All right, let's see if you know this one, Carl. What is the occupation of Daniel Day-Lewis's character in The Age of Innocence, directed by Martin Scorsese? What was his occupation? What was the occupation of his character? That's correct. Uh, I don't know. I know. Okay. So was he a banker, a lawyer, a painter, or a businessman? Painter. Oh, so close. <laughs> Bill, do you know? A banker. No, that's not either. I'm sorry. Mike, he's a lawyer or a businessman? Uh, I'll say a lawyer. He, you've got it. He was a lawyer. All right. We're all on the board. All right. I'll have one. It's a good game. Bill, what Academy Award winning movie directed by Martin Scorsese ends with a biblical quote? All I know is this. Once I was blind and now I can see. Mm. Is it Raging Bull, The Aviator, The Color of Money or Cape Fear? Aviator. No, I'm sorry. Mike, do you know? Uh... Color of money. No, that's not it either. Wow. All wow. right. What are, one, what's right? left? Oh, it's Raging Bull or Cape Fear. Raging Bull. Raging Bull is right. 
You didn't know By the that way, one, my huh? favorite movie of all time. Raging Bull. Number I knew one. that. You loved that one. Number one most favorite movie of all time. Okay, Mike. What actor portrayed the leading character Willie Billy Costigan Jr. in Martin Scorsese's 2006 crime movie The Departed? Was that Leonardo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, Mel Gibson, or Robert De Niro? Uh, Robert De Niro. No, I'm so sorry. Carl, do you know this one? Leonardo yes. DiCaprio. Yeah, we actually talked about this last edition of Hollywood 360. Mm. Carl? Yes? How many Academy Awards did Martin Scorsese's movie Gangs of New York win out of ten nominations? One million. I'm sorry, okay. that's not the How right many? answer. Is it none? Uh-huh. Two? The cat, this is Departed? No, this is Gangs of oh, New York. Oh, Gangs of New York. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so how many did it win out of ten nominations? Okay. Was it zero, one, two, or ten? Two. I'm sorry. Bill. Yes. Was it zero, one, or ten um, wins? Zero. Zero is right. How about that? How about wow, that? Bill. There we go. Okay, Bill, your question. Yes. What title did Martin Scorsese originally intend to give his 1990 movie Goodfellas? Was it originally going to be called Naughty Boy, Wise Guy, Baddest, Bad or Dead? Baddest. No, so sorry. Mike, do you know this one? Wise Guy. Wise Guy is correct. Wow. Close Good game one. here. Yes. Mike, this is your question. What acting advice did Martin Scorsese give to Paul Newman for the 1986 movie The Color of Money? This is funny. I like this. Did he say, don't speak so quickly, try not to be funny, don't ever look into the camera, or become your character? Become your character. No, nah, I just made that up. <laughs> so sorry. Carl? Um, real quick, what are they again? So don't speak so quickly. Try not to be funny or don't look into the camera. Try not to be funny. That's it. That's it. Total guess. I know. Carl. Yes. The 1997 movie Kundun, directed by Martin Scorsese, was based on the life of Dalai Lama. What does the Tibetan word Kundun mean? I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Eternity, presence, holy, or solitude? Eternity. Oh, you said it like you knew it, but that's not right. I Bill, didn't know your it. chance to steal. What are the, what are the, the so it's now? presence, holy, or solitude. The word kundun. Solitude. Nope, that's not it either. Mike, what do you think? What are the two choices? Presence or holy. Uh, holy. Nope, I'm so sorry. Presence. <laughs> I stumped all of you. Okay, final round. Here we go. Gotta be quick. Okay, Bill, which of these actors did not star in 1991 thriller Cape Fear? Was it Juliette Lewis, Daniel Day-Lewis, Jessica Lange, or Nick Nolte? Who Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes, that is correct. How about that? <laughs> Mike, the TV show Alice was based on what Scorsese movie? Is it Taxi Driver, The Facts of Life, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, or Mean Streets? Alice doesn't live here. No, is it? <laughs> I need it again. What's the okay. question? The TV show Alice uh-huh. was based on what Scorsese movie? Oh, okay. Okay, so it's Taxi Driver, The Facts of Life, or Mean Streets. 
I'll say taxi driver. That is right. Wow. That's true. Total Final pass. question. Yeah. In 1990, he, Martin Scorsese founded what nonprofit organization dedicated to film preservation? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it the Film Foundation, the Society for Cinema and Media Studies, the Association of Film Commissioners, or the Global Film Initiative? A. Yes. All right, hey, let's add them up. How did we do? Um, Bill got three. Mike got two. Carl got one, two, three, four, five, six. So they didn't beat the host, but they are winning fabulous prizes. Bill, good. did you Thanks, have fun? Guys. Did you have fun, oh, Bill? Yeah. And yeah, Mike, have, Mike, did you have fun? All right, you guys. Thanks for playing the game. You're going to get Happy some fun. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yes, Thank you, you too. You Thanks too. very much. Thank when we come back, yeah. it's the amazing Mr. Malone. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. The amazing Mr. Malone, also known as Murder and Mr. Malone, was based on the John Malone series of mystery novels by author Craig Rice. Rice had authored 14 novels and countless short stories and once rivaled Agatha Christie in book sales. Developed for radio by Bernard L. Schubert, The Amazing Mr. Malone came to ABC in 1948 and moved to NBC in 1951. It chronicled the adventures of socialite and ladies' man John Joseph Malone, a tough Chicago-based criminal lawyer who took on a new case each week. Using his finely honed deductive and persuasive skills, Malone never gave up until justice was served. Gene Raymond, George Petrie, and Frank Lovejoy each took a turn at the microphone as Malone. Others in the cast were Malone's private secretary, Maggie, played by Francis Robinson, Cook County Detective Lieutenant McGraw, played by Jack Webb, and Homicide Detective Sidney Brooks, played by Harry Morgan and Larry Haynes. The amazing Mr. Malone moved to television in 1951, starring Lee Tracy. And I think you were in that series, too, right? You played the secretary on the TV series, right, Lisa? I did. Back in 1951? Mm-hmm. Um, you were good on that. Thank I mean, you. very nice job, Lisa. Thank you. I, I did have an acting coach, but I yeah. worked really hard very, at that. Very, very good. Um, all right, so this is called A Strong Offense is the Best Defense. It stars George Petrie, and it's going back to May 25th, 1951. It's heard on NBC. Let's tune this in. Part one of The Amazing Mr. Malone. The Amazing Mr. Malone. Operator. Operator, get me the office of John J. Malone. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Amazing Mr. Malone, an exciting half hour of mystery starring George Petrie as the lawyer whose practice before every type of bar has become a legend. Our locale is the city of Chicago, the time the present, and the hero of these weekly adventures... The amazing Mr. Malone. Malone's the name. John J. Malone, attorney and counselor at law. You know, it's often said that no visit to Chicago is complete without taking in the Field Museum, the stockyards, and yours truly. And as you probably guessed, I'm the one who often says it. My hobby is collecting cliches. Tonight I'd like to trot out for your inspection the little number that goes, A strong offense is the best defense. As a case in point, I give you Steve Kemper. Mr. Kemper is the stockier of the two gentlemen getting out of the elevator on the fourth floor of the Belvedere. He owns the Banger Club, the lushest gambling joint this side of Vegas. And if you're wondering why Steve keeps patting his right-hand coat pocket as he marches along, 
That's because he's carrying his life insurance there. But obviously, his associate, Curly Michaels, doesn't approve of that policy. I don't like it, Steve. I don't like it one bit. Then maybe you better wait downstairs, Curly. Oh, look, Steve, I didn't mean it that way. Well, I did. And suppose friend Willard gets tough. I only hope he does. Okay, I'll be down in the lot. No, you better make it in the car. I may want to leave real fast. I got you. Who is it? Room service. Just a second. Hello, Willard. Wait a minute. I'm even willing to wait, too, but suppose I do it inside. Who the devil are you? Kemper's the name. Steve Kemper. Oh. I take it you've heard of me. Who hasn't? I was in your joint a couple of weeks ago. It's a nice layout you got there. My daughter isn't bad, either. Hmm? Vicky. I don't follow you, Kemper. No. You didn't waste any time following her. Maybe the shoe's on the other foot. Maybe she's the one who did the chasing. You take that back. Easy, fella. You're going to stay away from Vicky, do you understand? Don't you think you're being a little melodramatic? That type of father went out with East Lynn. I'm warning you, Willard. You're warning me. Did it ever occur to you I might be in love with Vicky? Oh, don't make me laugh. What about your wife? Vicky knows all about Marcia. Does she know all about your other women? Francis Carson, Paula Lewis, Nora Stone? Shall I go on? You've been doing some research. Uh-huh. Look, Kemper, I know I'm no bargain. But neither's your daughter. What did you say? Did you ever do any checking there? Would have paid you. We're two of a kind, right out of the same deck. Maybe that's why she's got it for me. Boy, you dirty... No, you... Get toward that gun, let go of it! Drop it. I'll kill you! Come on, Steve. Oh, you old goat. Oh. Come on, now, drop it! Yeah. Only allow one chance for a customer. Yeah. You want to play rough, huh? Well, two can play like that. Oh. And I got a hunch I'm a lot better at this game than you. Telling you, Steve, we should have stopped off first to see a doctor before I brought you home. I said no, Curly. Keys are in my side pocket. Yeah, I got them. It's a small one. Someone would think I was never here before. Who is it? Only me, Vicky. Me and Curly. Help me in the bedroom fast. I don't want to. Uh oh, too late. Well, aren't you a lovely sight? I had an accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all my fault, Vicky. You see, this car was coming don't and I. Don't bother lying, Curly. I just finished talking to Willard. And you know. Yes, indeed I know. I'm only sorry he didn't kill you. Vicky. I mean it. Oh, now, honey, that's no way to talk. Your old man you is... Shut Look, up. baby, whatever I tried to do... Whatever you tried to do. Why can't you mind your own business? Well, if you knew what he said about you. And every word was true. Vicky. Every single word. And you know why? Because you've always spied on me. Because you never let me do anything I wanted. Well, that's because it's... Go on. Go on, say it. It's because you were afraid I might take after my mother. Well, I don't blame her for running off. That's enough out of you. I can imagine what it must have been like being married to you. Always watching, always spying. That's not true. I don't know how she stood it as long as she did. Well, I've had my fill, too. I'm going to live my own. Vicky, where are you going? Vicky, come back. Maybe I haven't handled it right, but whatever I do... Vicky! Okay, I'm coming. Hello, Malone. Do I know you? I think so. Well, the voice is familiar, but I can't place the face. What happened to your old one? That's not funny, Malone. Well, my writer goes to bed at three. Can I come in? Look, Steve, you know my office is in the Prescott building. Sure. You're never there. Why didn't I think of that? 
Sit down. Thanks. You want a drink? You look like you could stand one. No, I'll pass, but don't let that stop you. It never does. I'll come right to the point, Malone. For my money, you're the best lawyer in Chicago. Never mind the con, Steve. What's on your mind? Vicky is running around with a wrong party named Willard Grant. I tried to break it up tonight. By putting your face in his fist? Yep. Obviously, it didn't work. No. What do I do now? Well, legally, you can't do a thing. You can't force a man out of town because you don't like the way he parts his hair. But there's nothing to prevent you from arriving at an agreement that'll affect the same thing. What do you mean? Buy him off. Suppose you went to this Willard and laid it on the line. Now, if I were handling it... Well, why don't you? You get him to agree to leave Vicky alone... I'll pay whatever fee you think is fair. Look, Steve, I hate like the devil to tell you this, but your little Vicky... Suppose we leave her out of this? You take care of Willard, I'll take care of you. How much can I offer him? Ten grand. You don't care how you spend my money. What? It's just a bad joke. I figure I left most of that dough at your place trying to make a seven the hard way with two three and a half. Okay, Steve, make out your check. I'll do what I can. Beg your pardon. What for? You haven't done anything. Not yet. But I'm afraid I made a mistake. The desk clerk told me this was Willard Grant's room. Well, he must have known what he was talking about. Well, if you're the hotel chambermaid, I'm moving here myself. You'd be wasting your time. I'm staying at the Stockton, Mr... Malone. John J. Malone. Not the amazing. Ain't it awful? Well, this is a pleasure, Mr. Malone. I can't tell hey, you how much... what's going on here? You've got company, Willard. Thought you were going, Marcia. I was on my way, darling, when I ran into this gentleman been real charming, Miss Malone. Let's do it again sometime. You said the Stockton? I said the Stockton. And the name? Marcia Grant. Oh. Then you're his wife. Yes. But don't let that stop Hmm. Lovely girl. I'm glad you approve. Because someone would think you two don't get along. Would they? If they judge by appearances. I think you'll gather my name is Malone. So? So I'm a lawyer, Willard. I represent Steve Kemper. Get out. At first, I'd like to show you something. Well... Aren't you impressed? One-way ticket to L.A. on the Super Chief and a check for $10,000. You know what you can do with it. Don't be a sap, friend. That's as high as Steve will go. You won't get any more through Vicky. How would you like a punch in the nose? How's that? What's the matter? Don't you think I can? Let me feel your muscle. Look, Malone. Yeah, I guess you could. Okay, Willard. Don't fret yourself. I'm practically on my way. Thank you, Clem. Steve? Yeah? Alone. I just saw our boy, Willard Grant. And? He threw me out. How much does he want? Brace yourself for a shock, Daddy. I think he's in love with our Vicky. No, don't talk like an idiot. It does seem impossible, doesn't it? Well, he wasn't interested in 10000 Okay, Malone. Thanks, anyway. What are you going to do? I don't know yet. I'll let you know when I make up my mind. <laughs> I wonder if I have the right party. Are you Willard Grant? Yes. Well, this is indeed a pleasure, Mr. Grant. You don't know how I've looked forward to this. Who are you? Leslie Brett. So? You've never heard of me? Don't let it spoil your day, little man. Chicago's full of people I never heard of. I suppose that's true enough. All right, what's on your mind, Leslie? Well, I've been asked to deliver something to you. Now, where did I put it? Oh, here it is. 
What's the idea of the cannon? <laughs> Handsome, isn't he? I call him Marvin. You little... I wish you wouldn't take this personally. Believe me, I've nothing against you. Thanks. I mean that, sincerely. Who sent you here, anyway? Now, you couldn't expect me to divulge the name of my client. Steve Kemper, wasn't it? Please, don't press me, Mr. Grant. Much as I'd like to oblige. Look, if you don't put that thing away, I'm going to take it and ram it down your throat. I think you mean that. I most certainly do. Well, in that case... You'll have to forgive me, Willard, but I can't stand being touched. You're listening to the amazing Mr. Malone. Yes, you are. He ha he said what I was about to say. You're listening to the amazing... I don't get... That's my job, Lisa. I'm right. supposed to say that. Okay, well, double, double announcer on this oh, one. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, so he said it. Uh, his name is Arthur Gary... Arthur Gary just said, the amazing Mr. L Malone, that's what you're tuning in. And he didn't flub it like I just flubbed it. <laughs> that's a strong offense is the best defense. George Petrie is the uh, is the uh, star of that. The amazing Mr. L Malone, May 25th, 1951. This is actually the first time we've ever played one of these, Lisa. You I know was that? going to mention that I wasn't too familiar with this. No, uh, mm -mm. I've never even heard one of these. Detective story. I'm listening to it now, uh, in between you yakking and yakking and yakking. It's you should you. hear this woman. Carl is a talker. When don't these let, shows don't, don't believe him. are on the air nonstop. But, but da 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 It is so the opposite, Carl. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> even explain to you. <laughs> uh, but you're interesting, which is your favorite word. You're very I'm interesting, interesting, Lisa. And you have a, a very exciting life. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, so here is a 1990 biography crime drama Directed by the great Martin Scorsese. Never rat on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. Yeah, you got it? Never rat on your friends, always keep your mouth shut. He's right. The number to call if you know what movie that is, toll-free 855-360-H360. The H is a four. Phone lines are open. Win some fabulous prizes. Identify this movie. Never rat on your friends. And always keep your mouth shut. 1990 biography, crime, drama. Martin Scorsese was the genius behind this film. Give us a call. Lisa and I, Mike Costello, the whole gang will return after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Welcome back to Hollywood 360. I'm your host, Carl Amari. Lisa Wolf, my co-host across the council looking um, illuminating. You've got to come up with some new adjectives. I only have two. I know. It's, it's just Effervescent two. and illuminating. Well, what if I actually don't look like that? Maybe. No, you are. You're illuminating. All Today right. you're illuminating. Last week you were effervescent. You just keep switching up. Um, I do have to look up some more adjectives. Though. That's what I mentioned. Um, how about um, um, well, look radiating? At, look at me. And Radiant. What, what comes Radiant. to your mind? How about that? Radiant. Oh, yeah. There you go. She just took that rubber band out of her hair again. All right, so she's flipping here. it around here. All right, here's the uh, movie again. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Lisa, always keep your mouth shut. I right? I take that advice. Right, and never rat on your friends. He's right. Especially if you're Italian. That's right. Either way, uh, it doesn't matter. good. What's up, Scott? Hey, Carl, Lisa, how y'all doing? Hey, We're good. good. How are you? Good to hear from you again. Well, good to hear from you always. All um, right. Happy Thanksgiving next week. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And, We're going to have a Thanksgiving uh, show next week, so d make sure you tune it in. Right. Oh, um, what Lisa's always around every time, good fellas. That's right. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is. You I love that. that. Right. 
She sure is. Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Joe Pesci in this film. And you are a winner, buddy. Yeah, you're going to win some fabulous prizes. Did you like this film? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I was only in my 20s, but I loved it, yeah. Yeah, great film. Uh, probably one of Scorsese's best, really. I mean, he, he's just amazing, but it's a great film. Scott, you're a winner. I appreciate you calling in. Have All a, the best. Have a great week. Bye, and, Scott. And uh, Scott knew it, Lisa Wolf. Here's a little trivia. After Joe Pesci's mother saw the film, she told her son that the movie was good, <laughs> then asked him if he had to curse so much. Oh, see, it sounds a, like something a mother's a, Yeah, mom would say well, that. Well, just as Scott knows, my son's name is Scott, so Scott has a nice place, a nice warm place in my there heart. There you go. It's a good name. You like that name. I like that name. It's, I used it. It's definitely a uh, strong name. It is a good, strong name. Scott. 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 Great Scott. Great Scott. All right, let's get back now to the amazing Mr. Malone. And now, back to the amazing Mr. Malone. So, like they say in Time magazine, death with a little 45 came for Willard Grant at the ripe old age of 34. But the first I knew of it was some 12 hours later. I was relaxing in the steam room at Gus's, getting a massage. When out of the fog, I heard a familiar voice, and it rubbed me the wrong way. That's a lovely back you got there, Malone, and wouldn't I love to plant a knife in it? That wouldn't be Lieutenant Brooks, would it? Want to bet? Come on, Malone, it's time to be amazing. What are you babbling about? We got a fellow downtown who's crying for your services. Who? Steve Kemper. And what's Steve alleged to have done? Oh, that's what I love about you, Malone. You're so legal. What's he alleged to have done? There's nothing alleged about it. He killed a boy named Willard Grant. You mean Willard's dead? Well, most people generally are when they've been murdered. And you think Steve did it? Ain't I a fool? You certainly are. Come on, I want to talk to him. Oh, no, you don't. Now, look, Brooks, I'm Steve's lawyer. You can't stop me from seeing him. I can if you insist on going like that. Hmm? Put your pants on, Malone. Or don't you care how people talk? I didn't kill Willard. You've got to believe that. Oh, I do, Steve. Lieutenant Brooks is the boy you got to convince. Go on, Steve. You want to try? I dare you. Oh, don't be a sap, Brooks. Where's his motive? Oh, you're joking, of course. Don't you think we know he sent you around to get rid of Willard and Steve made an attempt on Willard's life yesterday? Well, what time was Willard killed? At 3 this morning. 3 a.m.? Yeah. And that lets me out. Why, you got an alibi? Sure. I was at the club. A hundred people must have seen me. So what? So what? How can one man be in two places at the same time? Well, who said he was, Malone? I didn't say Steve actually shot Willard. You didn't? No, no, I said he was responsible. He hired someone else to do the job. How do you know that? Well, a desk clerk told us that five minutes before the shooting, an odd-looking character asked for Willard Grant's room. Did the desk clerk also tell you that this odd-looking character was hired by Steve? Well, doesn't it figure? Not the way I added, unless you take Steve for an awful jerk. No, no, I think he's a smart operator. Well, do you think a smart operator would pull so many boners? How do you suppose it would look to a jury? Well, you tell me. You're the lawyer. All right. They'd never believe that Steve had a fight with Willard, tried to gun him, buy him off, and arrange for his murder all in the space of 24 hours. It's too pat. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you believe it's a frame. Don't you? I'll let you know after I think it over. Do that. Listen, Steve. Who do you think might have framed you? Nobody. Well, how about your club manager, Curly Michael? Oh, you out of your mind. Well, what happens to your club if anything happens to you? Goes to Vicky. Well, imagine, I almost forgot about her. What are you getting at? What was Vicky's reaction when she heard you had trouble with Willard? 
I didn't tell her about it. No, but Willard might have, and suppose he got so disgusted he packed her in. Oh, you nuts. Well, we'll soon find out. You're not to bother Vicky, you understand? You underestimate my charm, Steve. Who says I'm going to bother her? Listen, Malone. Sorry, our time's up. Right, Lieutenant? Right. And let me out. It's time I was amazing. That's no way to talk. Someone would think you weren't glad to see me. You'd be right. If you're looking for my father, he isn't here. I know. I just saw him. He's in a bad spot. I hope he burns. Careful, lover. You don't know what you're saying. I hate him. And I want to be there when they strap him into the chair. I don't think they will. They wouldn't acquit him, would they, Malone? It's a cinch. I'm representing him. You're what? Uh Uh-huh. Listen, Malone, if you get him off, I'll kill you. I mean that. I'll kill you both. Now, you listen to me, you little fool. You let me Your go. Your father always did everything he could for you. Who asked him to? He was always interfering. Always spying. He thought Willard was no good for you. How would he know? Willard was a married man. So what? He was the only man I ever loved. He was no good. And what makes you think I'm any better? We were two of a kind, he used to say. Right out of the same deck. And he was right. He'd have left you in a month. Never. No matter what he said, he and never... what did he say? None of your business. Maybe I can guess. Suppose you were living on borrowed time. Suppose Willard told you he thought you were more trouble than you were worth. You get out. Well, we got to think of things like that. Are you going to get out of here? I'm sure, lover. But you're such a fascinating creature. Don't blame me if I come back. Well, it's about time, Mr. Malone. Huh? Have you any idea of how long I've been waiting? How did you get in? I used these. You're a bold one. <laughs> Aren't I? Shut the door, won't you? It'll be kind of stuffy. Mm-hmm. Worst comes to worst, I can always let a little air in through you with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, that's real good. Mm, I thought so. Now what? Now suppose you sit down over there. Over here? Mm, that's fine. You're probably wondering who I am. I got an idea. You're the odd-looking character the desk clerk saw shortly before Willard was gunned. What did you call me? Uh, That was a quote. You think you're smart, don't you? You're one of those forceful men who knows all the answers. Well, let me tell you something. Careful, Junior. You're working yourself into a snip. I've got a good mind to... No. No, you're not going to make me angry. You thought you would, didn't you? Believe me, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Don't tell me you're scared of a little gun. Scared to death. They remind me of weddings. Very funny. Yeah, I guess not. Well, what can I do for you? Nothing, but you can do something for yourself. Such as? Such as giving up Steve Kemper as a client. Why should I do that? Because a friend of mine wants you to. You wouldn't consider telling me this friend's name. What do you think? Yeah, I think you wouldn't. And if I continue to represent Steve? I'll be back to see you again. Only next time, Marvin will do the talking for me. Marvin? Mm Mm-hmm. My gun. <laughs> Say, that's real cute. You and Marvin, the Bobsy twins. You always go out together? You'll find out. Well, what do you say, Mr. Malone? What can I say? I'd be a fool to represent Steve after this. Uh, thanks for dropping around, friend. I hope you won't go to the trouble again. Uh, 
Hello, Marsha. Do I know you? Oh, and I thought I made a definite impression. Don't you remember we met in Willard's hotel room? Oh, yes. Yes, you were on your way in. And you were on your way out. Yes, how could I forget? The name's Malone, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. You did invite me to drop around. Yes, and I meant it. Come in. Thanks. Hey, hey, this is quite a layout. I'd certainly hate to pick up the tab for this. Let me take your coat. Lover, you got it. Sit down. Don't mind if I do. Uh, don't, don't, don't you think it's a little crowded for the two of us on this chair? You'll find a sofa a lot more comfortable. Okay, let's try it. No, no, I mean by yourself. Oh, but I can sit by myself at home. Well, after all, Malone, you've got to consider my position. My poor husband is lying dead in the morgue. Yeah, you're really broken up about that, aren't you? What's your guess? I suppose you were upset when he said he was going to get a divorce and marry Vicky. Who told you that? Well, then he did plan to marry her. Never would have gone through with it. He was in love with her. It never would have lasted. Well, you saw to that. And what made you send Junior around to frighten me off? Who? The character who keeps company with Marvin. Are you out of your mind? No, but you must be if you thought that would do the trick. Get out! Hey, what's wrong with me anyway? No one seems to want me around. First Willard, then Vicky, now you. Are you going to get out of here? Yeah, but it's lucky I know a police lieutenant who's crazy to have me around. It reminds me. I better check on him, too. Hello, Lieutenant. Oh, no. Look, Malone, if you don't quit hanging around police headquarters, people will talk. So they might. Look, look, Malone, will you brief me on one thing? You're a lawyer, no? I'm a lawyer, yes. Now, why can't you act like the rest of them? Get your suit pressed. Go to court. Well, my way's better. This way I don't have to drag around a briefcase. I'm telling you, Brooks, you better let Steve go. He didn't kill Willard. I didn't say he did. I said he was responsible. The odd-looking character did the actual shooting. Suppose I told you I saw him. When? He was waiting for me in my apartment. And you let him get away? No, he let me get away. Why didn't you stop him? Are you serious? He could have killed me. That's no excuse. I tell you, Brooks, this is our boy. He was carrying a forty-five that he kept referring to as Marvin. Why didn't he shoot you? You seem disappointed. I am, I am. All right, what was he after? He wanted me to drop Steve Kemper as a client. Then he couldn't have been working for him. Eureka, you finally saw it. You gonna let Steve go? Well... Use your head, Brooks. I'd crucify you in court. I told you before, the case against Steve was too pat. Now, who would want me out of this man? Me, for one. Come on, I'm not clowning. Okay, okay, I'll order Steve's release. Now you're talking. Now, how about you talking? Huh? Who sent that boy up to see you? That's easy. The same party who was behind Willard's murder. Well, that tells me a lot. Who was that? His wife. Who? Willard's wife, Marsha. Oh, so you think she's the foul miscreant? I know she is. She's got the best motive of all. Willard was going to divorce her to marry Vicky. So? So this is a little girl who would never let go of a meal ticket. Did you see her suite at the Stockton? Mm-hmm. I bet it runs at least 75 bucks a day. A hundred, I'd check. Well, where do you think the money came from? She was probably bleeding Willard to death, and when she saw the ride was over... She had him killed. Right. Uh, Malone, there's just one teeny thing wrong with that theory. I feel like a cad for even mentioning it. Why? Well, Marcia happens to be the daughter of Sylvester Braden. The guy who owns half the stockyards? Yeah, yeah. That girl's got more dough than Fort Knox. So she had Willard killed for his insurance, huh? I guess I was wrong. You guess you were wrong. Well, I'll say one thing for you, Malone. You may not be amusing, but you certainly are amazing. You can talk about your luck of the Irish, but to me, it's strictly hearsay. Here I had it so neatly figured out that Marsha Grant was responsible for her husband's murder, and Lieutenant Brooks had to go and drop his bomb. After the explosion died down, I sat there for five minutes without saying a word, which must have established some sort of a record. Malone. Huh? Your mouth's open. Close it. Listen, Lieutenant, I made a mistake. No. Okay, so I was wrong, but I see it all now. Oh, no. There's one character we've been overlooking in this little drama. All right, who? 
Curly Michael. Curly Michael? Yeah. But he works for Steve. That doesn't preclude extracurricular activities. He could have double-crossed him. But you heard Steve say if anything happened to him, the club went to his daughter. Well, you know, Vicky, how much effort do you think it would take to swindle her? Not much. Well, there you are. Five will get you ten. Curly was the boy who sent that gunman around to scare me off. You know, I hate to say this, Malone, but you might have a point there. Well, it ain't gonna do us any good here. Let's go stick it in Curly. Your dice, mister. Is there any house limit here? Make it light on yourself. I'll shoot five grand. You're faded. Man's coming out. Come on, dice. Be good to pop a little four and three. will do it. What? Eight's the point. Eight's the point. Uh, I got two bits. It says he's right. Oh, hiya, Counselor. Hi, Curly. We want a word with you. We? You know Lieutenant Brooks. Sure he does. Uh, take over the game, will you, Dick? I'm going to be busy for a while. Let's go to Steve's office. Well, uh, what's on your mind, Counselor? What's always on my mind? Hey, that ain't going to get Steve out. Oh, haven't you heard, Curly? Steve's been released. What? Yeah, I'm surprised he's not here yet. He left ten minutes before we did. Well, maybe he stopped off at the apartment to see Vicky. What do you think of her, Curly? Don't ask. But I am. Well, if she was my kid, I'd break her back. She never appreciated anything Steve's done for her. You know, if anything happened to Steve, this club would go to her. I know. I guess there wouldn't be any trouble for someone to con her out of it. Yeah, and it would serve her right. She's a no good little... Go on, Curly. What were you saying? Oh, gee, Steve, am I tickled to see you. The fellas were just telling when me... When I that... came in, it looked like you were telling them. Don't stop on my account. Okay. If you weren't blind, you'd see she's a mother all over again. A dirty, rotten... Shut rotten... up! Uh... You got anything else to say? Oh, I've said my piece. And I suppose it's my turn, Steve. Suppose I told you that Curly tried to frame you for Willard's murder. What? You're crazy. You know how he feels about Vicky. If you went to the chair, he'd take this place away from her in 20 minutes. You're wrong. Show me where. Curly's been with me for 15 years. So? So, last Christmas, I offered him a 25% piece of the joint. I suppose he turned it down. He certainly did. Who needs it? Well, what do you know? I know you better do some fast talking. Looks like I was wrong again, Lieutenant. Looks like. You got any more bright ideas? Yeah. And this one's a dilly. Now, look, Malone, I've had enough. I mean it, Lieutenant. Ask yourself this. Who was the first to know of Steve's fight with Willard? The first to know I flopped when I tried to buy him off? Vicky? No. Steve. What are you talking about? I'm sorry it had to end like this, Steve. But every once in a while, one of my own clients turns out to be it. Believe me, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Just one of those crazy things. Say, Bing. One of those bells that now and then ring. Perry. Just one of those things. Mario. Oh, is something bothering you, Lieutenant? Yeah, yeah. Why I don't take off my shoe and club you to death with it? I said all along that Steve was the party behind Willard's murder. Why'd you let him go? Why did I let... Who said the case was too packed? Well, it was. Sending that odd-looking character around to scare me off was a beautiful touch. It didn't seem possible that Steve was behind that. Was he? Of course, and that convinced us he was being framed. I still want to know why you bet on Steve. Well, it all came down to motivation, and Steve had the best motive of all. He was the one who really hated Willard. He thought he was bad for Vicky, so he got rid of him. Uh, now, why didn't he kill Willard himself? He tried it once. You know how far he got. No, that hired Gunzo was a much better bet. Incidentally, did you pick him up yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cicero, his name is... Uh... 
Leslie Brett. What about Marvin? Marvin? Oh, Marvin, Marvin. You mean his gun. Oh, we found that on him, too. Naturally, they were going steady. You know, Malone, I can't get over it. What? Talk about switches. There were two here. One, the cop was right all along. It'll probably never happen again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But secondly, secondly, this, this is the first case I remember where the guy who was making like a private detective wasn't bopped on the head. Say, that's right. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's hope that never happens again either. Good night, Malone. Ever hear the story of the incurable gambler? This boy would take a chance on anything. He found out murder was a bad bet. I'll tell you all about him next week, so why not pick me up in my office at the same time? I'll be waiting for you. Good night. George Petrie was starred as John J. Malone with Larry Haynes as Lieutenant Brooks. Our program is written by Gene Wang and directed by Richard Lewis. The Amazing Mr. Malone is based on a character created by Craig Rice and produced by Bernard L. Schubert. The events and characters in this story were entirely fictional, and any resemblance to persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. Arthur Gary speaking. The Amazing Mr. Malone has come to you from New York. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Lisa, how about iridescent? How about what? Iridescent. You're the iridescent Lisa Wolf. I like that. You like that? Where yeah, did that's you get a good that one. word from, I got Carl. it from someone. Yeah, I anybody can't say, in particular? I cannot reveal my source. Another one of my fans or stalkers. Definitely. You have He's millions of them. He's a very handsome man. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. I'll take it. All right, that's the amazing Mr. Malone. And this is about a, a, a lawyer. And the man I'm talking about is actually a really? lawyer, too. I like lawyers. What do you think of that? I happen to know uh, a lawyer. And this lawyer, amazing Mr. Malone, was a Chicago lawyer, Chicago-based lawyer. Huh? huh. This is weird. That, that is kind of a There's weird There's like a, a whole kind of uh, lining up of the planets here. Really? Very I'd interesting. I'd like to meet this guy. Uh, you've probably met does him before. Does he have a voice for radio, he for does. chance? He's got a very deep voice. <laughs> Handsome man. Good. Strong offense is the best defense. George Petrie starring as John J. Malone there from May 25th, 1951, is heard on NBC. We have never played one of those, no. so there you go. If you'd stop talking, and I could hear it. <laughs> you didn't get to hear any of it. Well, you don't stop talking. Because you were just blabber mouth. He's like, a, you're a blabbering. You know, for a guy, you talk a lot. Because you wah, 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 wah. That's you. But you know what? You're on the radio, and that's what you get paid to do. That's and pay true. big bucks, Yes, too. I do. Huge dollars. Yes, I do. All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa Wolf, uh, when we come back after the commercial break, we are going to tune in to Have Gun, Will Travel, one of the best westerns in all of radio and TV. Do you agree with that? Um, whatever you say, you. I tend to agree. Thank you very much. But before that, our national movie critic, Sarah Adamson, will be here and review two films that recently released, Burnt, and our brand is Crisis. And uh, Sarah Adamson has her own website, Sarah Adamson uh, BackstagePass.com. It's Sarah, it's, just Sarah's Backstage Pass. I know, Sarah's BackstagePass.com. Oh, but thank you. Funny. All right, when we come back, it's much more. Stay with us.